So before we get into the meat of reading today's word and whatnot, how good looking was that lady that did communion? Oh, and not only is she super easy on the old eyes, she brought a great thought as well. I wonder what she's doing later this afternoon. If you're listening on the podcast, relax, it's my wife. I'm allowed to say that. We're married, it's all good in the eyes of God. You all agree. When two or more are gathered, we agree. But on a, <laughs> but on a serious note, I wrote that there. I love seeing my beautiful wife serving this house. It makes me so blessed and honoured to be her husband, that I have a wife who loves God and is such a tangible example of God's love for us. And the more I fall more in love with my wife, I fall more in love with God as well, because I see that Christ-like love. So can we give her a round of applause, please? So for those of you who I may not have had the pleasure of meeting yet, you may be wondering, who is this ridiculously good-looking tattooed man on stage? My name is Jordan, as Lockie said. I'm married, as we've just established, so sorry. And I'm a part of the community here at Uni Hill Church. And today I get the absolute pleasure to come around God's Word and explore it with you this morning. I love that God's Word is still living and breathing and so relevant to us today. And it is an absolute honour to be here in front of you and to share what I feel God has put on my heart for all of us this morning. So over the past few weeks, I've been sitting around thinking, how can I explain what I felt God has put on my heart in a practical example? Because who here loves a good practical demonstration? Give me a wave. I know you do. The last practical demonstration I saw was actually our senior pastor before the service opened his car door and he had a plank of timber. And I said, what are you doing, Pastor Charles? He goes, oh, I'm just preparing for Sunday cutting a plank of timber with a saw. And I thought, oh, a practical demonstration of how to be a good father. I don't know what the demonstration was, but it was good. So thank you, Pastor Charles. But I've had a few different ideas and I was sitting at my desk thinking, how do I explain this succinctly and clearly? And I thought, oh, I've had a few ideas and not all of them were good. I'll be real with you this morning. But one did come to my mind and it was a little risky. Who wants to get a little risky this morning? Your nervous smiles tell me you do, and Sean Rue's getting nice and loud telling me you do. So could I have my assistants please come to the stage and bring over that table? Can we give them a round of applause as they come as well? Dan and Georgia, what a team. So who's getting super nervous to see how risky we're about to get now? <laughs> Pastor Charles's hand is nice and high. And look, I'm going I'm to level with you right now, church. I practiced this yesterday, and it worked, so... Let's see what happens in real life. Thank you, Georgia. Thank you, Dan. Man, give him another round of applause. Don't go too far because we will have to remove it if something goes wrong. So what I have with me is a plastic tub. What's in this tub, I hear you ask? Yeah, we're getting there. It's good. feel like I'm back at youth. I have a plastic plate because who knows doing dishes is overrated. I have with me a plastic cup of water because I cannot be trusted with a real glass of water. I have with me an empty toilet roll. Where did the toilet paper go, I hear you ask? Mm. <laughs> and of course, I have with me two eggs because everyone wants to carry protein with them and get those gains, you know what I'm saying? And of course with me, I have just this container which is not a part of the demonstration, but we'll leave it there for now. And I think we could all agree that these are pretty basic household items, yeah? These are all things we've got around the house. We've all probably got a plastic container somewhere for mopping the floors. We've all got eggs because we're all ripped in this church. They're basic things. But what happens when I put them all together? And now I thought, let's get super extra risky this morning. 
I want you all to know that these are not fake eggs. So what I'm going to do is, Pastor Charles, Senior Pastor, I'm going to get you to hold this container. You've got to leave the container. I'm going to get you to step forward, though, because I really don't want to miss right now. So I'm going to show you that this is not a hard-boiled egg. Are you ready, everyone? I am ready. Oh, please don't miss, Lord. No, I'm not going high. I have to clean the floor if I miss it. Here we go. You ready? All right, here we go. Oh, it didn't break. Maybe it is hard-boiled. Nope, it's there you go. Give Pastor Charles a round of applause. Yeah, my man. <laughs> Just for... <laughs> Look, I'm not going to lie. My, my absolute worst, worst fear with that demonstration was, imagine if I threw an egg and it hit him in the face. I would not get a pay rise for at least another three years. But we all saw that it was his own volition and his own doing. We need to say that for legal reasons on the recording. So... As I said, I have some basic household items with me here this morning. But what I'm going to do is, I'm actually going to put them all together. So I'm going to take this cup of water. I'm going to put it here. I'm going to put this here. Hopefully it's in the middle. I'm going to put that there. My depth perception is not great. Please feel free to help front row. Is that the middle? Good. I'm nervous because if this goes wrong, maybe I should have got a tarp. Anyway, we're too, we're too far gone for that. So basic household items. But the thought that I wanted to demonstrate this morning is this. Just because something is basic in principle doesn't mean it isn't profound in application. I'm so glad that worked. Assistant, you can move that for me as well. Pastor Charles got real nervous and so did I because I'd be cleaning it if it had missed. Thank you so much for that, guys, for moving that. There you go, Dan. You can have that egg if you want the gains. I mean, it's up to you. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. But what you have just actually witnessed in that demonstration is a basic scientific principle called inertia. So using basic household items, we actually just explored a pretty profound scientific principle. And what does that mean for you and I? Another great example of inertia is actually a car seatbelt. You know how you're going faster, you stop suddenly and the seatbelt holds you tight and you can't go any further? That is the law of inertia worked out. Something so basic that we were able to demonstrate then, but with such a profound application for you and I. And this morning, I felt in prayer to explore and looking at God's living word, is that sometimes we as followers can miss the basics. And we dislike them because they seem so easy, so simple, so basic. But just because something is basic in principle doesn't mean it isn't profound in application. And for us as believers, I think it is important that we get the basics right. Because sometimes if we're being honest, we don't always get them right. So the title of my message this morning for those taking notes is this, Back to Basics. The passage of scripture we're going to camp out in this morning is 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18 from the ESV translation. And before we go any further this morning, let's take a moment to stop and settle our thoughts on God. Lord, right now, I thank you so much that we're able to open your living word and get the revelation from that, Father. I pray this morning these are not the words of man, but these are something profound, Father, that seeps deep into our soul and we live these out, Father. Never let us lament the basics, Father, but let us celebrate them and get them right. We love you so much, Lord. Amen. So in 1 Thessalonians, we find Paul writing to the church of Thessalonica, a church he, along with Timothy and Silas, had established in what would be modern-day Greece. 
But due to persecution, Paul and Silas and Timothy had to get out of there and they left the church. And after Paul left, he was concerned for how these new believers were going. So he sent back Timothy in his place. And Timothy wrote back to Paul what was happening in the church of Thessalonica. And where we pick up in 1 Thessalonians is, it's actually Paul writing back to that same group of believers after hearing Timothy's report. And the reason Paul's writing is he felt to address a few things of that community. And the letter covers the following topics. Relationships among Christians, mourning those who have died, preparing for God's arrival. And where I wanted to camp out today, how Christians should behave. On the surface, if we look at those issues, I think most would say they're pretty basic things for us as believers. Like, come on, we're Christians. We know how to treat each other with love. We know that's literally Christianity 101, the basics. Or we know how to prepare for God's arrival. We know how to live a life that is pleasing to God, the basics. But let's have a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. On first reading, this passage of Scripture seems so simple, doesn't it? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for your life. But just because something is basic in principle doesn't mean it isn't profound in application. And this morning, let's explore the basics that Paul is listing in this passage of Scripture, which is relevant to all of us here today. Because in that verse, Paul is addressing how believers should behave, which the church at Thessalonica wasn't doing. And if we can be real with each other, do we always behave correctly? If you ask my wife, she'd say, no, I don't always behave correctly. So if you're taking notes, which means you're super holy and you're like the holiest person here, it's a joke, relax, guys. The first basic point I wanted to explore was this. Basic number one, joy. Rejoice always. Two words, 13 letters. Does it get any more basic than that? Rejoice always. If you have been a follower of Christ for any amount of time in your life, you've probably heard well-meaning Christians say something like this, don't stress, brother, just get the love of the joy in you. Sorry, the love of God's love, you know what I'm trying to say. Or my favourite, I've got the joy, 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 joy. Where? Yes, we all went to Bible, so we all went to Bible school, the Sunday school. Man, my analogies are going all over the joy. I'm just having PTS when I was in Sunday school, so it's fine. Anyway, joy seems such like a basic thing, doesn't it, when we say it out loud? But most of us would probably say we're joyful people. And I would say that we are joyful people. Because for us as believers, our joy is not rooted in our circumstances or what is happening around us. Our joy is found in the living hope of Jesus Christ. And when we use that definition, the word joy takes on a totally different weight, doesn't it? And joy can be a really beautiful thing. It can be infectious. When you see someone has joy, you want to be around that person, don't you? It's half the time you walk up, you go, I don't even know what you're stoked for, man, but I want to get in on that action as well because it's so exciting to be there. And we naturally gravitate towards those people because would you rather be with someone who is full of joy or the opposite? If you don't believe me then, just look at Marie Kondo. For all of you who don't know she is, she's a little Asian lady that does folding. She has literally sold millions of books and has a Netflix TV show about tidying up. And her whole principle is this. If something does not bring you joy, throw it out. Millions and millions of people have got that principle. Yet here's a passage of scripture 
talking about joy. When I think about joy personally, I'm taken back to my wedding day. And as cliched as it sounds, it was honestly the happiest day of my life watching Talisha walk down the aisle. I burst into tears. Pastor Nick didn't know what to do. Pastor Charles cried as well. It was a beautiful moment. But the joy was so tangible in that moment. And I was thinking, well, all the other weddings I've been to, you can see the joy on a groom's face when he sees his bride for the first time. You know that joy I'm talking about? You can sense it in the room. The whole atmosphere changes. And I think we would all agree this morning that joy is a good thing. And I also dare say we all want more joy in our lives. Not just superficial surface level joy, but the joy that our hope is found in Christ's level of joy. Can I get an amen? But let me ask you this question this morning, and let's be honest with each other. Is joy always, a, is always our first response? Do we rejoice always? Once again, a basic principle, but to live that out is a whole other thing entirely. Because how are we meant to rejoice always when sometimes in life everything seems to be falling apart? When you walk out to a car park and you see your car and you've seen that the person next to you has hit their car door into your car door and not left a note, is your first response joy? Hard to believe, but it's not my first response when that happens. Or what about when you've been patiently waiting in a line of traffic, all my Plenty Road people, you know where I'm going with this one there. You've sat, you've waited, you wait, and then at the last minute someone comes flying up next to you and cut you off. Is your first response joy in that moment? Or do you want to get out your car and lay hands on it? I'm not talking about praying for him either. In Galatians 5, verse 22, 23, we see the fruit of the Spirit. And who here this morning would like to tell me what the second fruit of the Spirit is? It's joy. Joy also was a hallmark of all of Paul's letters in his life. And if ever there was a man that understood finding joy in the worst situations, this would be him. When Paul is writing to the church of Thessalonica, rejoice always, he has literally had to leave that church because he was being persecuted. Yet even amongst all that persecution, he's still saying to these believers, rejoice always. Because for Paul, his joy was unshakable. Because his hope was not found in his circumstances, but it was found in Christ. And that same joy that he had, we can have this morning. Because the same God that Paul served is still here with us today. Rejoice always. Two words, a simple principle. But imagine if we as a community lived that out and applied that Christ-like joy in our lives. Imagine if people saw that unshakable joy in you or I, even amongst turmoil, even amongst our darkest days. They would stop and go, what is different about that person? Our hope and joy is found in Christ and Christ came for everyone, not just us. Joy is, joy is not just something we feel when we get a new CD or we watch a really good movie on TV. Joy is something much deeper than that and much more profound. Joy is something that can transform the way we act, the way we speak, the way we think, and ultimately joy turns our attention to the Saviour. Rejoice always. Two simple words with life-changing applications. The second basic that I wanted to explore this morning from this passage of scripture is this, basic number two, prayer. Pray without ceasing. 
Upon first reading of that verse, I thought to myself, man, that is a lot of prayer. I've been in prayer meetings before. I think, man, we've been praying for ages. How long has it been? I look at my watch and it's been six minutes. I know I'm not the only one that's felt like that because you all laughed. Or I've sat at dinner and someone is giving thanks for the meal and it's turning into a mini sermon. I'm sitting there going, come on, bro. My meal's getting cold. Wrap it up. Give me an amen if you can relate to that. All the Italians in the room are like feeling you, man. So when I see the words pray without ceasing in this passage of Scripture, I think, where do I even begin? It's, it's almost such a daunting proposition, isn't it? But let me say this. Prayer is so, so crucial to our relationship with our Heavenly Father. I've been asked many, many times by many people, is prayer even that important? My short answer is this, yes. Because let me pose this question. What kind of relationship would you have with someone if you never talked to them? Not a great one. So how can we expect it to be any different with God if we don't talk to him or spend any time in his presence? Because of what Jesus did on that cross for all of us, everyone in this room, we can talk directly to the creator of the universe and he desires to have a real and personal relationship with each of us right where we're at. And that fills me with so much joy. See what I did there? That I can talk directly to my heavenly father. I can share my dreams, my fears and my insecurities directly with him. And he will not only listen, but he cares. I sometimes think that we as believers have made prayer some weird, spooky, super esoteric thing that we don't quite understand how to explain to someone. And we don't want to do it because we don't want to look silly in front of someone. And we've actually forgotten the power of prayer and how important it is. I am so thankful that we have a prayer ministry in this church that prays for this community. I'm so thankful that we have my mum who never stopped praying for me, even in my darkest days. And I know we have a church of people that are praying for their prodigals to come home, their loved ones. And if you get anything from this sermon this morning, please let it be this. Your prodigals will come home. Relationships will be restored. Families will be put back together. Give everything to Christ in prayer, everything. Whenever I think about prayer and seeking God earnestly and desiring to be in his presence, one story always springs to mind. And it was actually at History Makers Conference two years ago. So it was a couple of years ago and Pastor James Ayton was talking about being in God's presence, talking about the importance of prayer. And he gave this challenge to all the young people sitting in the room. He said, when all the shiny lights are gone, the worship team's not there and there's not a well-rehearsed production or fancy screen, you will still need God's presence you will still need the Holy Spirit and you will still need prayer. And it resonated with me. So we went back to the cabin that night, me and the boys, and what my cabin did on History Makers was we called it, we'll kick it like the apostles, which was basically a fancy way of saying we prayed for one another and then we ate a whole bunch of food. It was awesome. You want to do prayer ministry? Come see me, I'll show you. So anyway, we're sitting there. We're about to get into our time of prayer and one of the boys comes up to me and he goes, hey, Geordie, do you mind praying for me? that I'd be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. And I sat there and I stared at this young man and I stared at the other boys in that room and I said, we're going to seek God. But I said, there's no fancy lights. There's no worship band. We're just going to seek God's presence. And we started to pray. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and about 20 minutes in, nothing had happened. But I felt in my spirit, don't stop praying. 
So I said to these young boys, and we're talking 16, 17-year-old boys, I said, let's keep praying, let's keep believing for God, and we prayed and we prayed and prayed, and all of a sudden something changed in the atmosphere. I watched these boys start to weep as the Holy Spirit descended into that room, and this young man started to speak in tongues. And I sat there in this moment, and you could feel God's tangible presence. And I watched these young boys while weeping, praying for one another, upholding one another, lifting each other up. And one of them came up to me and said, hey, Pastor Geordie, I've got a word for you. Can I give it to you? And that word he gave me, he could have no idea how bang on the money that was. What made that happen? Prayer. Prayer may seem like a basic thing to all of us that have been in the church game for a long time, but it is so powerful in application. And when Paul is saying pray without ceasing, most scholars and commentaries agree it is not a physical thing, but it is a mindset. What Paul is saying to a group of believers is make prayer a part of everything that you do. It is a mindset that says in everything that we do, we give it to God. We seek him for assistance, we seek him for his wisdom, and we seek him in the big and little things. We seek God in every part of our life, and we seek him through prayer. And what I constantly challenge myself with is this. I don't just want to pray when I wake up and when I go to bed, but I want to be in constant relationship with our Savior throughout my whole day and my whole existence. And am I perfect at it? My wife will tell you, no. But each day, I can try and get better and better. When we hear the word prayer, let's not be a community that says, oh yeah, pretty basic stuff. But let's be a community where prayer is not just a word, but is an intrinsic part of who we are. When a simple thing, when something is basic, we can often miss the true profound nature of what it is. And for someone here this morning while I was preparing this sermon, I felt that pointless for you. Don't stop praying and seeking God. It's simple, but it's life-changing. The third and final basic that we're going to look at is a big one. Basic number three, gratitude. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances. Simple in principle, but gee, that one could be a hard one to live out. Gratitude is one of those things we don't hear about a lot. And I was wondering, why is that? Because once again on the surface, it's easy to be grateful for something, for what we have, and we often say that we are. We often say that we're grateful for the food we have, we're grateful for the friends we have, we're grateful for this incredible church, the comfy chairs. We're grateful that we can come and worship God freely on a Sunday morning. But let me ask this question. Do our actions show that gratitude? If someone was to follow us for a day, would our actions show that we're grateful? What is hard giving thanks in all circumstances is that when everything is going well, it is so easy to be thankful. When you get a great pay week, you're like, man, everything's just going well. So happy, so grateful. But what happens when it all goes wrong? What happens when everything around you is seemingly falling apart? Should we still give thanks then? Well, when we read the words of Paul, the answer is yes. And Paul is writing those very words to a church that, as we said before, has been under persecution. A church that probably had many, many reasons not to be grateful 
But even amongst all that, Paul implores them, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Because just like our joy, our gratitude is not found in our circumstances, but is found in the living hope of Jesus. And he is always with us. He's with us when everything's going super well. And he's with us when everything's not going well. That's a simple truth we've all probably heard from a million different preachers, a million different sermons. But perhaps it's time we go back to the basics and really think about that statement. He is always with us. An interesting thing about gratitude is, it, is basically, I was doing it, sorry, I'll start again. An interesting thing about gratitude is that neuroscientific research shows that gratitude has a positive effect upon us. In an article written by a lady, which if anyone wants to read, come see me afterwards, I'll give you a link, it's fascinating. She lists the benefits of gratitude. The physical benefits are optimal blood pressure and less aches and pains. Social benefits, better communication, more empathy, more liked among group peers. Psychological benefits, increased self-satisfaction, mood enhancement and positive emotions and thoughts. In short, gratitude is good for us. And if you're anything like me, we need to spend more time being thankful for what God has given us. And that isn't just materialistic things. Think about how grateful you are for the people in your life. All of us in this room get to do life with an incredible group of people in this church. And this week, I challenge you, find something to be grateful for. I love that the person writing those words is Paul. Because when we look at the life of Paul, here is a guy that was redeemed by Christ, had a radical transformation, dedicated the rest of his life to reaching people with that same message. And he was shipwrecked along the way. He was beaten. He was locked up, persecuted. And he was ultimately killed for his faith. Yet here he's saying, give thanks in all circumstances. And when you put it in light of that, that verse takes on a whole nother light completely. Because Paul knew and believed in every fibre of his being that our gratitude is not circumstantial. Our gratitude is to Christ for his love, his forgiveness, his grace, and his redemption for you and I. Just because something is basic in principle doesn't mean it isn't profound in application. I might take this opportunity to invite the band up if I could, please. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 16-18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God, Christ Jesus, for you. Such a small passage of Scripture. But what a truly life-changing passage of Scripture when lived out. Joy, prayer, gratitude. Three basic principles that are actually interconnected with one another. Prayer is directly connected with our gratitude. Because we thank God for how He chose us, loves us, and calls us sons and daughters. And it is from that revelation through prayer that we find our joy in God. Because our joy is not based on our circumstance or what is happening around us, but it is found in the hope of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. If I can be real with everyone this morning as I begin to close, and this is not one of those fake preachers' clothes, this is the real deal, so get ready. I think sometimes in our relationship with Christ, we actually make it more complicated than it needs to be. Can I be real? Paul is writing to a group of believers who haven't been saved for very long, 
And already he has to remind them about the basics. And I think we're like that sometimes as well. We make things so much more complicated than that, that we actually miss the basics and we forget how profound they are. And we forget to live them out. Do people see the joy of Christ in us? Do they see a happiness that is kind of there only when things are going well or the way we want them to or the way we like? Or do they see a life that is so sold out for Jesus and relied upon Him that there could be no doubt where that joy comes from? Do people see us giving Christ, giving everything to Christ through prayer? Or do they see us making decisions out of our own wisdom, our own strength, and only bringing it to God when something has gone wrong and only praying when we could fit it into our schedule? And do people see a life that is so grateful that even when everything is going horribly wrong amongst the darkest days, we are still grateful that our hope is in Jesus Christ? The other basic principle that I find myself constantly thinking on and praying on is that when people see us, do they see the love of Christ in us and the way we treat each other? Or do they see something else? That's a different thought for a different day. When we live out the basics, they don't just have a profound effect upon us, but they have a profound effect on everyone around us as well. And where I wanted to land this morning is here. Because the most profound thing that you and I can ever do in our life is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I promise you, it is the greatest decision that you will ever make. And it won't always be easy. But with Christ, you will find forgiveness, you will find freedom, and you will find hope. And why I wanted to land here is that when we boil Christianity down to the very, 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 very basics, we take everything away, what is it? It's a personal relationship with Christ. And from there, everything else flows. Maybe this morning, there are some of us here who have gotten so far away from that personal relationship. We've let life happen. We've let hurt creep in. We've let offence take a hold of us. And we've gotten so complicated that we've lost that personal relationship with Christ. And we long to be back in His presence. And you know what? Perhaps today is the moment you go back to basics and back to that personal relationship with Jesus. It's time to put everything else aside and say, you know what, Father? I just need your love. I need to be in your presence. And if that is you, I would love to pray for you in a moment. And please don't wrestle that feeling that's happening inside of you right now. God longs to have a relationship with you and His grace and His forgiveness is sufficient. But before I pray for those people, I might get everyone to stand with me. Perhaps there are some of us here this morning that are saying, you know what? I want to start right at the very, very beginning and I've never had a relationship with Christ. And if you know what, if that is you, as I said before, this is one of the most profound decisions you will ever make in your life. And it's no coincidence that out of all the places you could be standing, you're here in this church this morning hearing these words. And what I love and find incredible about a relationship with Christ is that all we have to do is respond. 
because we serve a God of forgiveness and redemption. And I stand here before you this morning as living proof of that. If I could ever underbow their heads for privacy reasons. If you're standing here this morning and you've never had a relationship with Christ, and you're saying, you know what? I want to have a personal relationship with Jesus. With every eye closed, give me a wave so you know how I'm praying for. Awesome. And with every eye still closed, if you're in that first group and you're saying, you know what? I need to go back to basics. I need to go back to that relationship with my Heavenly Father. I just want you to give me a wave so I know how I'm praying for. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. If everyone else... We're going to live out the principle of prayer right now. We're not going to be spectators. We're going to pray for our community. So with every eye closed, Lord, I thank you for the people that responded today, Father. I thank you for the people that said, you know what, I want to go back to basics, Father. I want your love, I want your presence, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. And Father, I thank you that we as a community will champion those people. And Father, I pray that we as a community never miss the basics, Father. Never let us despise something because it seems so easy, Father. But let us live out everything that your word says for our lives. Let everything we do be in service to you, Christ. Let your kingdom come forth and let us be a part of it, Father. We love you so much, Father. In your precious and holy name, everyone said, thank you very much.